My name is Don, and I've been a Catholic priest for over 50 years. During that time, I've pondered these readings over and over again and have discovered something that I never saw there before. It's given me new hope, new energy, new image of what I do and how I do it. I pray the message that I'm sending you will be equally valuable to you. If you find it so, please share these podcasts with your friends. Thank you. Today we celebrate the fifth Sunday of Lent, the opening prayer. By your help we beseech you, Lord our God, may we walk eagerly in the same charity with which, out of love for the world, your Son handed himself over to death. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Old Testament from the prophet Ezekiel, 37th chapter, 12 through the 14th verse. Thus says the Lord God, O my people, I will open your graves and have you rise from them and bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and have you rise from them. O my people, I will put my spirit in you that you may live, and I will settle you upon your land. Thus you shall know that I am the Lord. I have promised and I will do what I say, says the Lord, the word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm, with the Lord is mercy and the fullness of redemption. A reading from the New Testament from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, 8th chapter, 8 through the 11th verse. Brothers and sisters, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh. On the contrary, you are in the Spirit, if only the Spirit of God dwells in you. Whoever does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the one who Christ raised from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also, through his Spirit dwelling in you. The Word of the Lord. Gospel acclamation, I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will never die. The Gospel for this fifth Sunday of Lent is taken from St. John's 11th chapter, 12 through the 45th verse. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them, along with their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would never have died. But even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I've come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. 
When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly and said, The teacher is here and he's asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him, for Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house, comforting her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her weeping. He became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see, and Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd here, I've said this, that they may know that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, untie him, and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary had seen what he had done, began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. You are not hidden There's never been a moment You were forgotten You are not hopeless Though you have been broken Your innocence stolen I hear you whisper underneath
Rescue was performed by Lauren Daigle. The essence of God is his longing, his desire to both create and then to bless and enrich and care for what he creates. The interesting thing about our humanity is that we have a strong, strong drive inside of us to be connected to one another, to be in relationships. We also have a deep desire to do some kind of work, to be engaged in something that's creative. It gives us a sense of joy when we accomplish it. And there's something also about human nature is that it longs for a kind of, I don't know how to say it, but a, a sense that all is well and all will be well. We long for one another. We long for effective accomplishments. We long for peace. And the God who placed those longings in us is wise enough to know that he wants to be the one who enables us to accomplish them. And so he left us with a kind of need for him because his deepest desire is union, communion with his people. He wants to be in our life, not just interested in it, but dwelling in it. Those first two readings so clearly and powerfully describe the relationship that God has always wanted with his people. I want to enter into your life and bring you out of a place of darkness, a place of no life, a place of death. I want to lift you out of the places you find yourself in where there's no hope, no direction, no enthusiasm for anything. I want to bring you into the fullness of life. And he knows that we need to understand, and he teaches us over and over again, that that goal of being alive is not something we can accomplish, nor should we think we're supposed to accomplish on our own. But St. Paul's letter to the Romans talks about what it is that God has promised so that this 
thing called life can be something we experience. It's about the spirit of God, the spirit of life, the spirit of light and truth dwells in us. It's like it's not something we learn at one time and take it in and say, oh, now I've got that. No, it's an ongoing, dynamic, intimate relationship that we're made for, that we need to believe in and trust in to sustain us. It's not something we get sort of a, I don't know, an instruction manual, we study it, and then everything works. No, it's nothing like that. It's so much more mysterious. And we look at these Sundays of Lent, it's so clear what they're trying to focus on, the key message of Christ, the key essence of what it means to be human and a deep understanding of who God really is. Those first two Sundays of Lent describe first the humanity of Jesus. He's like us, gets tempted like us, has weaknesses like ours. And then we see in the next Sunday that he's more than just a human with human weaknesses. No, he's a God filled with the mysterious mysterious, mystical power that can transform a human being from darkness to light, from death to life. He resonates this force, this light, this life. And then we recognize so clearly that this is a gift that God longs to give to everyone. It's not deserved. So He describes it in many ways, but in that third Sunday, he reminded us that it's like flowing water. It's like this thing that quenches a thirst that's deep inside of us for meaning, purpose, for hope. And once we understand and drink of this indwelling, mysterious presence of divinity offered to each and every one of us, we begin to see what's real. And then we begin to live a life that is full. And this Jesus had the power to do that. And it's so interesting that he always was trying to convince people, still trying to convince you and me, that we should trust in this power. It's available. It's real. But our tendency always, like Adam and Eve, is to go back to self-centered autonomy. I'll do it. You teach me what life is like, and I will achieve it. We waste so much time trying to do that. We don't really surrender to the fact that there is no way we can accomplish what he's promising unless we open ourselves to it as a gift, unmerited, unearned, just simply given. So let's look at the details of this wonderful story about I think the miracle that climaxed everything that Jesus was trying to say, you know, he hid most of his miracles from those who weren't present at the time because he was afraid and knew that the more he did miracles, two problems would crop up. One, people would come to him just for the miracle of healing. The other was he'd get into deep trouble with those who were in conflict with his teaching. It gave him authority that frightened the institutions that ran the temple. And so he knew doing miracles that were really spectacular were difficult for 
his ministry. In other words, it put him in great jeopardy that he could be killed. He knew that. But the frustration of that truth and his inability to convince his disciples was such a tension that he must have really struggled with it. And what we see in this story is that he comes to a point, I believe, in his life where he's saying, look, I don't care what it's going to cost me. I don't care if I'm going to lose my life over this miracle, but I've got to convince my disciples before I leave them that I am who I say I am and the power I have is, is, is awesome. It can do anything if you allow it to work within you, but most especially it can give you this thing called life, meaning, purpose, understanding that there's something about me that's important, there's something about my being here that's effective, and I'm in it, and I feel good about it. Things feel like they are the way they must be. That's the feeling of life that only God, I believe, can give us through his miraculous indwelling presence. And so he took a chance, and of course, it was kind of the reason his ministry ended so abruptly. The healing of the man born blind, the raising of Lazarus was more than the church could handle. But the reason he took the risk was he wanted people to understand and believe, and it's so interesting that he realized that even the closest closest friends he had still didn't believe in him. He's, he's been with them for three years, and he, he said, you know, I can do anything. You know that. I can bring life to people. I can bring sight to the blind, freedom to prisoners. That's my work. That's what God has empowered me to do, and I can do it. And they didn't yet really believe it, because when he said to them clearly, look, Lazarus is dead, I know that, and I know that I can bring him back to life, so trust me, we're going to go there and bring him back to life. And all the disciples seemed to be worried about was, okay, let's go because it'll probably mean the end of everything. It'll probably mean that we're all going to die. That's what, that's what Thomas predicted, the doubting Thomas, that it's all over, folks. But what happened when he did arrive and said, I'm here. Don't you believe I can do what I can do? When he saw them weeping and wailing and in fear, it, it perturbed him. It made him sad. He wept. And it was not over Lazarus, I don't think, even though that's the tradition. Why would he weep over someone he knew he was going to do such an incredibly marvelous thing for? Why would he feel sad when he was manifesting the greatest asset that he was there to bring to the world, life over death? No, I think he was perturbed because of their lack of faith. They didn't yet believe. It's funny. When those who did really finally see this, the words that the scriptures say was not that they believed, they believed, they believed. No, it was they began to believe in him. What a resistance we have to believing in who God really is and what he's really doing and what he can do and what he longs to do for us. That's the challenge of this whole season of Lent, to get ready for the most awesome miracle when Jesus died 
and then came back and did his most incredible, marvelous work. Death was destroyed. Life was restored.
You Say was performed by Lauren Daigle. The Closing Prayer Father, your gifts are so beyond our imagining, so wonderful in a sense, so longed for in another sense that it's hard for us to grasp how generous you are and how awesome the gift is when we receive it. Bless us with belief and faith, even though we can't see or feel what's truly happening. We know that within everything there is this plan that you bring us all to a place where we can see and be all that you want us to be. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. These are such interesting and amazing times as we struggle with the pandemic that is infecting the world. And it's a time, I believe, to trust, to believe that nothing, nothing happens without God's permission, so to speak. And the permission is not just to allow something to happen that may be just difficult and painful, but rather something is allowed to happen that will change everything. Change our way of seeing, our way of living, our way of believing. So I'm prayerful and very optimistic and hopeful. This time of separation, this time of reflection is going to produce a new a new generation, a new spiritual awakening in the world. And I welcome it. And I pray you do. And I pray that the suffering that we're all enduring will end as quickly as possible. I'd like to remind you that the program you just listened to is available on our website, pastorreflectionsinstitute.com, as well as on our podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Finding God in Ourselves. It's free to listen to anywhere, anytime. This ministry also needs your support, so make a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation on our website. Thank you so much for your listenership and your continued support, for without it, this program would not be possible. Thank you.